All right, welcome to Practical Shooting After Dark. We're here to talk about shooting. Uh, you guys know the rules. Everybody comes here with a topic. Uh, on deck tonight, Mr. Matt Hopkins. Hi. Mr. Kim. Hi. Mr. Park. Hi. Oh, wow. I can tell <laughs> this is going to be a spicy podcast. Isn't it? Uh-huh. It's going to be just, real spicy. Just following the example they were setting for me. <laughs> yes, that's exactly what you should do. Uh, all right, guys. So 75% uh, of us shot a match in common. Uh, what was that now? What day is it? Is it mm. Thursday? Oh, it was like five days ago. Yeah. yeah. All right. So that's fairly fresh in our mind. And I, I assume we'll be talking about that. Mr. Kim will talk about something else. So, Joel, what match did we shoot? What we did shot? you think about it? All that stuff. Give us the rundown. We shot the Great Plains section match, okay. um, which is a match at my home club. Uh, ben and Matt and our, our friend Jared Sasquatch came and shot it. Uh, well, obviously other people too, but they stayed at my house. People. And There's many other people that, that also feel like they shot it. Uh -huh. All right. Well, you tell me more than Ben. No, I don't want to. Uh, uh, well, this year, the match was a bit different than previous years. We had a bit of a... Uh, unplanned change in management well say, so hold on let's back up uh great plane section at your club in omaha so that's that's the pretty much your only option for outdoor shooting in omaha yeah correct i've been to that club many times i think uh i can't i can't remember how long ago i that first went there maybe 13 years ago 12 years ago was the first time i was there it's always been a nice club it's got for sure there was 2008 area three yeah. I was there. I yep. I shot Ooh. that match, Matt. I, think I won that, that match. A, I think that was the first time we actually squatted together. Holy shit! Look at that. Oh, yeah. uh, <laughs> wow! That was when I got I got really yep. sick with the heat, didn't I? Yeah, they had a four wheel. You back and forth. Well, no, they they came over. They're like, "Hey, dude, you're done working. Like, you are done." <laughs> I was like vomiting, picking up steel, as I recall. Oh, yeah. good. I've gotten better at the heat management since. Uh, You're probably drinking Mountain Dew to hydrate yourself and energy drinks, of course. Uh, and pure Red Bull at that point, I think. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I don't know what it was, but <laughs> I'm sure it was not water. Fine. So this year had a, I would say, maybe a different flavor to it compared to well, years well, past. Well, let's describe, let's describe the previous flavor. Is it fair to call it Area 3 Light, Joel? Would that offend yeah. anybody? That's absolutely fair. I, people at my club have said that also. I mean, and I don't mean that in a negative way, just like it's so. But people don't know what Area Three is, though. Maybe. Well, let's so tell them all about. Basically, maximum round count per bay, so mm -hmm. thirty-two, basically the minimum per bay. Most of the times, they would have stages more than that. There, right? That's happened. Thirty-four, thirty-six, thirty-eight rounds on stages that I remember. Mm -hmm. The the stages would be very prop heavy and then very like high on the movement yeah. like very large stages built with like basically all the props they could drag out all right and i'm going to paint with a broad brush here but uh the prop heavy stages sometimes you'll have a prop that works really well to create an interesting shooting challenge i remember one stage this was at area three it wasn't at your club joel but it was at area three and you were like uh handcuffed or zip tied i don't remember what mechanism they used but you were put on a cable and you had to walk along with your hand on the cable one of your hands on the cable and then you had a 32 round stage to shoot so for, for most of us that meant shooting a strong hand but you could do it differently you could crouch down and shoot two-handed or or whatever and 
I look at that and I'm like, that's an interesting shooting challenge that, that it creates. Making it a 32 round stage, it, it that takes it pretty far. But the challenge was was interesting, and that seems to be kind of the way it goes. Is that again? I, that that's mm -hmm. pretty reasonable, right, Joel? Mm -hmm. Yep. Yep. And at the last Great Plains match I shot, no, that was last year. I'm thinking, uh -huh. I think four or five years ago, I remember shooting one stage at the Great Plains section that was like this. There's steel everywhere. You, you had the bottom half of a Texas star to shoot at and all this. <laughs> and it was just all this insanity. <laughs> and, that, and that struck me as, I mean, that was a rough stage shooting production, but mm -hmm. So the way I like to put it is people set up, like if they see it on a video, they think they need to set it up like at a local match, like that bottom of Texas star thing, right? <laughs> you know, that's maybe not always the best idea. And it also probably doesn't run really well if you do that. Okay. So yeah. what was what was different this year, Joel? Uh, well, like I said, th this year we had a different crew running things. And uh, I was probably one of the people that went to bat about it first was... I want to change the feel of our match. I don't want it to all be, you know, really high round count. I want to have some medium and short courses. I want to change the variety. And one of the things that happened that was really good, as opposed to maybe one or two people designing all the stages, we had, I, I encouraged like literally everyone that's active in our club to submit stages. And then as a committee of, I don't know, maybe 12 or 15 of us, we went through and picked the best ones. And what happened was I had two, there's a couple of people that had two stages, but for the most part, people just had one stage like per person. And what happened was a lot of different people had a different idea of what made a fun and interesting stage. So we ended up with a lot of different challenges and they don't all look maybe the same going from bay to bay. It's a fair way to say it. Do you agree with me? I agree with you. you had, there's, there's some movers. There's a lot of shooting while moving. There was tight targets, uh, not a lot of long shots, but plenty of high risk shooting. Yeah, and it was it was fairly well balanced. So that created a good variety. Yeah. So I think that was probably the main the you know, like from competitors showing up to shoot the match. That would be the main difference they'd see was I I felt like the match felt a lot different, and we had uh, I guess not to like brag on the group or anything, but a lot of there was a lot of stages where as a group we had a lot of conversation about what the best way to shoot it was. And, you know, a, amongst a uh, squad of very strong shooters, people had still were shooting different plans and were successful at it. Because there wasn't just a clear cut one way to shoot the stage, you know, and maybe some stages they say there's options, but you're kind yeah. of a dummy. You're kind of a dummy if you pick, you know, one of the options that people would say. Whereas this had legitimately there were a lot of different ways and based on your skills, you know, how you wanted to leverage your abilities. Um, There's a lot of different viable options, which made it fun. Even and though. Oh, sorry. All right, I watched the uh, match video, and there's at least like two stages I saw. Um, definitely high cap division versus low cap division had different plans, mm -hmm. and I thought Absolutely. that was interesting that was taste big, too. Yeah. yeah, that was definitely big. It's one thing I noticed on it at least. And I don't well, think people recognized some of the like. Just at let's use stage ten as example, the bear stage, right? Mm -hmm. So you had probably the toughest shot of the match. Well, hold on. Let's describe. Let's describe what we're talking about. Yeah. So, for people who, uh, so ninety-nine percent of the audience who wasn't at this match, there's a stage where you you pick up your gun and load it from a table, and on each side of the stage, it's just some lateral movement, and on each side there's a uh, a plate 
with a no shoot behind it. It's not super far. What do you mean, 12 yards, something like this? It wasn't, yeah. it wasn't really closer. Far. Yeah. It wasn't yeah, but probably it, the hardest shot. It was probably the most risky shot. Yeah. But if you miss that shot, you're going to have a problem getting the no shoot. You're going to get hammered with the no shoot. And, the, and then on the lateral movement, there were some targets under a table. So you yeah. could shoot them while you crab walked, I suppose, but most people weren't quite comfortable with that. Mm-hmm. Definitely different options on that one. Uh, I saw several videos of people shooting it on different squads than us, and they shot different planes than us even. I mean, I guess the real ticket was like, did you want to come in on the steal or not? Our whole yeah. squad chose not to, <laughs> I look, I'm like, but no, I saw you. other squads choose it to do that. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Or thinking um, of even even six, which was the most I uh, I thought maybe the most vanilla stage. There was still a lot of genuine conversation about how to shoot it differently, and it was you know vanilla, which is fine. Uh, but there were still a lot of options, and based on your ability, the orders you chose. So, and on that one, I don't think it actually mattered. Like maybe not out at the end. I don't think like either of the two main plans kind of really mattered. It was kind of how you executed and what you shot on the targets. Yeah. All right, Joel. So when your club did this management, I don't want to talk out of turn, but you, you structured things differently and I pushed you, I know, because it's mm-hmm. a structure I've seen work well at other clubs that are situated similarly, similarly to yours, where you have a lot of guys that are motivated mm-hmm. and involved. So you have a lot of very involved people there. I don't know if you know how unique it is, but most clubs that I go to, I don't see guys out there training. All you know, if you're out there on Saturday morning and there's no match going on, uh, most I'm gonna clubs, see. I'm yeah. gonna see like three people at least I know that are out there training. Yeah, and that's and that's really cool. That's unusual. I mean, for me, you know, I go and I, I mm-hmm. practice by myself because nobody's out there. I'm kind of looking around, like so. What's not possible at my club? At your club, you can have this kind of decentralized structure for running things, and you can have a lot of people involved, and and give and let them all be kind of empowered to design mm-hmm. stages and build stages, and do stuff. And I, I really like that. I think that's cool. Yeah, we have an awesome group. Really do. <sighs> well, so what now? They had, so we all shot so a match. Let's talk about some some of the fun stuff. Compared to years before, they actually provided tons of water, like more than we needed. <laughs> That, that, that of, was the goal. Yeah, there was plenty of water this year and mm-hmm. like extras. Mm-hmm. That was the goal. So that was a good thing, yeah. Okay, so Joel, what are you guys going to change for next year? Uh, Assuming you do the match again. Uh, ben and I had an interesting conversation where uh, it was ben, Ben's idea to have a person that's maybe, I mean, obviously you set up the stages and you get the stages put up the way they look on the diagram. Maybe it's exact, maybe it's not. But I think having, it was Ben's idea, I agree, but we were kind of saying it different ways. Having a couple, it almost ends up being high-level guys, but maybe guys that understand what makes a stage interesting, go through and maybe just move a couple little targets or maybe just move a wall here or there. And more so than following the diagram, look at making sure you create options and making sure the stage is interesting. I think is a fair way of saying it. And I should say what... this isn't to, to shit out any part of the match. There was a couple, like there were your designs, Joel. Like mm-hmm. you weren't you weren't happy with how a couple of your designs were put on the ground. Um, and I and what I'm saying is the magic isn't in a good design. The magic is in the setup. Because yeah. when you put a stage in a bay, it's like it never it never really looks the way you think it should look. And quite frankly, I think people using these three dimensional design tools with. Uh, uh, 
photorealistic representations of all the props they have and everything scaled out. You've seen some of that. I think people, what do they use, like Google, like SketchUp or something? Yep, correct. I mean, doing that, that is a, that's a lot of work that I don't think you really need to do. You just take a good design, and if you have somebody build it, and then usually another person, a different person, this is, I mean, the same way the match director and the range master are different people with different responsibilities, and that's a, that's a good thing having one person or one person or group of people build a stage and then another person or group of people uh, go and vet the stage for safety, obviously. And then, you know, add it like, hey, we're going to add a vision barrier here to block this target off. Or, I mean, a good example is like one of the stages that you guys had, there was, you remember there's a Texas star and a swinger mm -hmm. and a few other things to shoot. And the way I looked at that, I'm like, I don't see any reason to just not stand here and shoot all of these things right from this spot. And I, you've been around, if I'm building a stage for a class and I look at it and like, oh, this is very convenient to do it this way. Mm -hmm. I look at the stage and I can see a lot of things from a lot of different places, but I just see the most convenient way to do it. And I think everyone's going to do it that way pretty much. Then I just would take that option away. Yeah. Like, I mean, I would just like, nope, fuck that. We're going to, I'm going to make, I'm going to take away the convenient thing and make you figure out among the less convenient options how to do things. Yeah, and to accomplish that, it would just be like adding a no-shoot or adding a wall or maybe yeah. adding some barrels. simple stuff. Just a very minor little tweak. Yeah, not really fundamentally so, changing anything. Just The only thing I can see downside of that is people have an actual the, the time to do it. Sure. Uh, sure it, it gets it done during the range master's safety vetting, I would think. Right. It, this is not a time thing. It's it's does It really doesn't take much time. Depending on setup, I think it would. Like if they're rushing around, they only have one day setup to do ten stages. You know, it kind of depends. All right, Matt, you've built you've built plenty of matches, right? Yeah. All right. Does it take you substantially more time to build a good stage as opposed to a shitty one? Does it take me? Yes. Does it take oh. you? Exactly. Oh. There you go. Case closed. But you're not gonna have one person building the whole thing, but. I know they started pretty early on the setup, right, Joel? Mm -hmm. No, it was a very, it was a very well done match. So, uh, Joel, you got to plug your trophies, right? Only uh -huh. thing I would suggest is no, not two, three per target stages. I I agree. <laughs> and the only thing to get it more area three light is take one of those to one per target. There you go. That's true. <laughs> more shooting is more fun. That's um, right. So, I mean, on this podcast, Tyler Turner brought up. Uh, a trophy option they had at their match, maybe it's like a year ago on this, I don't know, a year and a half ago, something like that. Um, but anyway, I liked it, so I'm like, I messaged him privately, hey, what's, can you find out, is there a sticker on that trophy? Send me the name of the company, I want those. So anyway, I was in charge of ordering trophies for our match, and uh, I ordered from that company. So the company is TAC Trainers, it's T-A-C, then trainers.com, but they're, I think they're actually quite cool. It's uh, it's an airsoft target, they're, they're knocked down, um, this one just happens to say uh, carry optics uh, unclassified win, but first place. Is that really a win, though, if it's uh, unclassified? It is. Uh, I, I mean, I don't, yeah. I'm not sure about the guy that won it, but anyway. Um, yeah, so they're quite cool. They have a, uh, they're actual, you know, like you could use it for a dry fire. I think it's kind of cool. Where Everybody has, you know, a bunch of a bookshelf full of plaques or a wall full of plaques. Maybe you have those tumblers like the mugs. This is something that not many people have. They, were, they weren't that expensive compared to what you could pay for other trophies. I'm sorry, what were we going to say? Well, I was saying, look behind Mr. Kim. I see a lot of plaques there. <laughs> yes, and Matt, exactly. 
and met. So these for you know, roughly the same cost. It's something cool that people don't already have. Uh, my homeboy Nick did uh, like vinyl decals. I'm not sure if he used it's like a cricket machine type of thing. Maybe he used something more manual, more manly. I don't know, but that type of idea. And uh, so we did two different sizes: a bigger one for uh, high overall and the Great Plains Champion, then the smaller size for the class winners. But anyway, I thought it was cool. You can actually use it as a dry fire target, and it's something that people don't already have a bunch of. So that that's what I like is that it's something different. Like seriously, it looks. I think it looks sharp. So well done there. Yeah. Okay, Mr. Kim. Mm -hmm. Yes. So I wanted to share the same, same uh, match experience. Some stuff that I was pretty impressed about PCC Nationals. So uh, before going to the match, I was pretty worried about DQ myself because the way I bring the gun out of the bag is pretty unusual compared to uh, pistols. And sometimes when I go to matches, there are just maybe small number of arrows, but they're there to like, I want to I'm going to DQ. If you like break anything very small, I want to DQ you. Kind of mindset. But you're putting PCC notches Nationals, in the timers? Is that what you're talking about? Nachos? Notch in on Notch. the timer? <laughs> like a tally mark, like for tally <laughs> yes. how many they get. Yes. So there are like ROs who's trying to enforce DQ rather than help you not DQ. And there are cases where I go to a major match and ask RO, hey, if I stand over here and then aim at that target, is that a DQ? And mm -hmm. I got an answer like, hey, if you break 180, you're a DQ. <laughs> that was the answer sometimes. But I've when I went to PCC too. Nationals... Yeah. You're like, thank uh, you, that's very productive. Exactly. <laughs> the very first stage, ROs were all telling the procedure of you know, gun bagging and unbagging. And they even sent an email out like weeks before the match. So they were pretty helpful with that. And also there was a stage where 60-yard shots... And that bay, the 180, if you just by looking at it, it's not really clear. But ROs made sure before they do a written briefing, they would tell you, hey, this spot, if you this is the 180 line, so you don't want to break that line, kind of in, information over there. And interestingly, there's only four DQs at that match. I thought that was very good. Yeah, and for nationals. Yeah. All the ROs I talked to, because I asked so many questions because that was my first PCC match, and everybody was very good helping uh, for not to DQ, you know? That was pretty impressed mindset. So I think that's a good mindset to have for all the ROs out there because nobody wants to go back home after, you know, purchasing flight and risking Rona. And the second one, I was very impressed. The same bay, 60 yards bay, uh, there was ATV to score a round. So they were very fast. Even though the challenge was great and the distance target, if there's no ATV, it would have taken a lot of time to go through squats through that stage. But they were being pretty smart on the scoring part. And then the last one I want to see at many other matches is the food. I was very impressed with the food over there, the venue. Uh, was doing like, if you want pro high protein meal, they do chicken breasts. If you want something flavorful, like pork chop, stuff like that was there. So that's something that I was impressed that I would actually consider eating at the match. Oftentimes, I don't even look at the food vendors because a lot of the times I would eat it and very feel heavy and sleepy. What's up? Great Plains provided lunch this year as part of the match fee, so that was another plus. 
And no. I liked what I liked what the lunch was. It was I did too. Sub, it was actually Subway very box. Good. I'm like, that's yeah. perfect. Yep. Mm-hmm. It wasn't too much. It was like just perfect. And one of the people on our squad is like, oh, I don't want to take this because I don't think I'm going to eat it. I'm like, it's a Subway box. Just take it. Maybe you'll eat it in an hour. You'll just <laughs> eat it an hour from now. Like, <laughs> or maybe I will. Just fucking take it. Yeah. So I thought that match set some good examples there. Kim, was the food at the awards or like during lunch during the day? They had during lunch. Also, they had awards food. Yeah. Nice. Sounds awesome. Well, guys, what do you say we take a question? That'll suck up some time. Should. Oh, wait. Before we take this, um, I just posted on my YouTube channel, on the Ben Steiger YouTube channel, a talk through for... uh, the Great Plains section. So normally that only goes on practical shooting training group. So if you're not a training group member and you want to see kind of what goes on there, just go to go to my YouTube channel and you can see all of the fine stages that uh, that we were talking about and my discussion of them. So anyway, with that, let's go to a question. Okay. Hi, I just found your podcast about a month ago and went back and listened to them all. Oh, I help run local clubs, USPSA matches, and I've noticed you mentioned on some of your podcasts about the lack of stage design, making stages boring. My question is, how can I make stages not boring? Can, can, I, can I answer first, guys, and then you Please. kind of yeah. fill in where I don't? Okay, so instead of do, the, the conventional way I think people design stages is they think of stuff that they want the shooter to do. So like, oh... Uh, well, like it's like start position first, and then they think about how many rounds it's going to be, and they kind of set the targets out and, and block things off with the walls. Like they do that kind of style of stage design. Uh, what I recommend instead, I, this is the way I build stages, and I think it's I think it's faster and better. Is I pick a few points that I'll want people to go to to engage targets, and then I'll make targets available only from there. I fill in around with with more targets and i kind of think about how do i think people are likely to shoot this stage i kind of touched on this earlier where i was like if i see the convenient way to do it uh i want to i want to try to you know mess that up like if i see an array of four targets that okay everybody's going to just stand here and and shoot these targets maybe i'll just take a vision barrier and force people to move around a little bit kind of break it up so it's about I, i what i think makes it interesting is is taking taking a, a kind of a shooting problem and making it so that even you don't you're not maybe you're not really sure how you want to do it, you know even yourself like mm-hmm. you don't you don't know the solution to the problem. I don't even pick a start position. I just design the the stage the stage with you know the targets I want you know around, like spread things around and then I'll maybe I'll pick the start position last. So what that does is I'm not uh, kind of providing the solution to the problem. I, I'm I'm just constructing a problem that, that again i'm not even sure how i'd want to solve it it's just here you go here you go an, an open-ended stage so you don't say like i want to maybe put a hard lean on this one or well, yeah i can of- i i can think about specific challenges that i want to put in but it's it might not be it, it might be if i put in a hard lean mat let's say typically like you just being a shooter you want to shoot that at the end of the stage right it totally depends on the stage Right. But if they put, I mean, if a convenient for you would be you finish on a hard lane or you, you know, you finish up with that and then you don't have to get out of that position. Right. Right. So I might then just put the start position over towards that. So that that would get taken away. That sort of stuff is what I'm talking about. 
Yeah. Oh, that's good. Yeah. I don't think that's out of the realm of possibilities. Though. So, like, I won't actually design star positions either. Like, it's like what's best. And I have a hard time. Like, I have a bad way of doing mirror stages, and mm -hmm. that doesn't always lead to the best stage. Like, I, I'm like, well, how can you see this left-handed or right-handed? And most of my stuff ends up being mirrored, like, same on both sides. Yeah. I'm not a big fan of the mirror stuff. What do you, what do you got, uh, other guys? Any any other suggestions? Um, yeah. Yes, so, I like. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Kim. Oh, love you. Thank you. Uh, so, <laughs> one of the most fun stages I've ever shot, like local matches wise, uh, one of the club. Sometimes what they do is they basically copy really famous matches for, like for example, worship. Um, two years back, I think. They actually copied some of the stages from 2014 Warshoot. Uh, maybe not exact copy of it, but very same design of the stage. Maybe different distances, etc. But it made me and other shooters too feel like, oh, this is like the top quality stages, or at least the highest competitive shooters would shoot at the Warshoot. So I thought that was a really great idea to just kind of maybe copy or small modification to national stage or worship stages yeah that's a good place to start but yeah. like like we talked about earlier be careful with that because yeah. the magic is in the setup yeah so um, you can take a really good design from a prestigious match and if you set it up kind of fucked up you're gonna have a problem and then when i'm designing stages i have no idea literally none what the stage plan is going to be you know i'll design something and be like what's like i don't i don't really know like we'll have to go until we get it set up and look at the stage and then the other thing, uh, maybe that's not as interesting, but just a thing that I think is quite important is I like designing stages where if you see the targets, you can shoot it. And if there's an issue with a safe angle, I will move a barrel or a wall because I don't like it where you have to draw on the, you know, you're carving some line on the ground or spray painting or, oh, if you shoot this target from here, you're going to have a problem. It's going to be a, a safety issue. So I like setting up stages where if you can see the targets, you can shoot it within reason. Because obviously maybe you could look way back past your shoulder or something ridiculous. But for the most part, anything, you know, relatively around the 180 and forward, if you see it, you can shoot it. Well, that is that is a setup rule, Joel. It's one of the most ignored rules, but. I don't, I don't, I go to a lot of clubs and I don't always see that. And I, I strongly dislike that when I see a, a line spray painted on the ground or in the safe, in the, like your walkthrough, it's like, oh, and if you, if you cross this imaginary line, you start shooting these targets, I'm going to have to send you home. It's like, you could have just put up a wall and then I wouldn't have to worry about that or move a barrel stack. So, yeah. But I, th I really do think the thing that makes stages interesting is getting a lot of people involved in the design mm -hmm. and uh, having people come up with ideas that, that you wouldn't come up with because everybody has their own take on things. And then kind of melding that together in a way that you're not really sure what the answer is or how you'd shoot it. I mean, Joel, you've been in, you, you've been around enough classes. I'll build a stage. You guys are like, hey, how are you going to do this and this? And I'll be like, yeah, I have no idea. I have yeah. I mean, like looked at it or figured it out. I'm just like kind of putting this out here. Yep. Or if I design like a, a stage, I'll have it on paper. It's like my homeboys help me set up a stage for a club match. But, you know, if, like if they I don't have any emotional attachment. So if something's not quite the way I had it in my mind, like that's cool. As long as there's not a safety issue, just roll with it. And then maybe what they had in mind wasn't quite what I had in mind, but maybe it's more interesting or something different and all that stuff's like, that's good. Just just roll with it. Yeah. So I do a lot of debugging of stages at the local level. Like we have a lot of people that set up, but I just go through and debug them. One of the things I do is like, well, what were you trying to do with this? And then I try to like work the stage around what they were trying to do. Yeah. 
So if they wanted to have that hard lean in there, that exact spot, it's like, okay, so what? how can we move around the targets, adjust this fault line a little to make it happen with it, like stay within the rules, like safe and all that. Sure. Yeah. Well, there you go. Another bang up podcast. Indeed it was. Maybe the line for you. Yeah. Listeners, if you have a question you want the answer to, go to my website, spendstegger.com. Send me your email. We'd love to hear from you. You would.